This is Wes Stingley with Walnut Media, and you're listening to Success in Iowa. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Success in Iowa. I'm Todd Studer. And in studio today, a special guest, uh, Rick Will. Uh, Rick is an insurance agent, and Rick, you and I actually met quite a while ago, uh, back when I had a previous business that uh, used to own a painting company. We've right. talked about it before. And we were part of the same referral group back then. This goes back to... 2004, was it? Is that how far back it goes? Uh, yeah, or before. It might have been even, you're right, it might have been even a little bit before that. And uh, so that's when I first had an opportunity to meet you and learn about the kind of guy that you were. And I've always uh, had the utmost respect for you. And you've been in the insurance industry since, well, sometime in the 80s, wasn't it? 92. 92 was when you got into the insurance uh, business? 1992, yeah. What uh, led you down that road? What made you decide that you wanted to make insurance a career? Well, understanding kind of how the insurance business worked, ever since I've been in, went to college, and when I graduated, I was offered a job in sales rather than I, I got a, a degree, a bachelor's of science and business with an accounting major. actually had 33 hours of accounting and had an opportunity to move away on an accounting job, but I, I stayed local and went into sales. And so I've been in sales ever since uh, 1972. And um, a lot of the times in sales, you know, you have the various things that uh, you you have advantage of, you know, income is one thing, but then on the other side, it can be the downside. But after doing what I did uh, a few years at All Makes Office Equipment, um, a cousin of mine and I went into business here in Council Bluffs. And of course, uh, in doing that for several, several years, had, you know, a W-2 in the paycheck, um, had several employees. At one time, we had a store in the Mall of the Bluffs when it was new, and then one downtown uh, where we, 132 West Broadway, we remodeled the building. And <clears throat> as things went along, and then my partner left, and some other things happened, and so I got out of that business and uh, went to work for uh, a person in Omaha that I was familiar with and had done some business with, and it was an acquaintance. And so, but everything, uh, I, I was still in sales, but it was, you know, like being in real estate sales. You make a sale, you close on it, you make some money, and then you don't till the next time. Well, I was in uh, the office, uh, I was in industrial rack and things of that nature, which you did for factories and warehouses and storage, but... You sold a job, and then you got paid for the job. You didn't have any guarantees or anything. And so I had thought about insurance and looked at a couple of things. And insurance was something that you could build on and hopefully uh, structure yourself. So uh, the, the key thing was getting to uh, have renewals and things where you could pay your, your light bill at home and you know buy groceries. And, and if you broke even for the month or whatever, at least you got your bills paid, and then you could grow from there and go past that as your career went on and you maybe got better at what you did and added companies and things of that nature. And so that's how I ended up where I am in being in sales. 
Uh, there's only a few things that you can do where you build an income and you don't lose it all. And I always had a pretty good retention, 80 to 90%. And so you, you have clients, you lose some, you add more. But I always had a good deal and then my income built from there. And that's what I did. I'm not sure if you're aware. And matter of fact, I don't think you are because I don't think we've had this conversation. I actually went and got licensed. Did you? Uh, yeah, back in uh, 2015. It was right after I got out of the radio industry, and I thought, well, maybe I want to do this. And I went through and did uh, some self-taught classes online mm-hmm. and went and took the test for property and casualty. Passed casualty, missed property by one question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had to go back and retake the test again, but I eventually did and found out very, very quickly that you guys work hard. This is not just a, a job for someone who just wants to sit back and collect paychecks. You actually have to work. Yeah, that, that, that happens that way. And let's say, for example, prior to when you t- did that work, um, for CECs, every three years to renew our license, we had to have 60 credit hours. And But now, uh, to to renew a license, it's only 36. But, you know, 20 years ago, you didn't have the competition you had now. You didn't have uh, your online people. And there's there's more than just the Geico's and the, the people like that. And some of the big companies, um, like e-insurance, happens to be Allstate. And so the other, some of the big companies, and Progressive does theirs direct, or, or they do it through a deal, you know, through a, a agency like ours. Uh, but what's funny is sometimes they give better prices if it's direct and, and things of that nature. But it, it, when you come into the business, if you don't have some kind of guarantee and you don't understand what you're getting into, I've seen a lot of good people that could have been. Uh, very good insurance agents or very good insurance people that it just beat them up because if you're not guaranteed an income, it's kind of hard to explain to people and it's kind of hard to explain if you got a significant other that this month might be thin unless you have some kind of guarantee and something that, that they give you to, you know, hopefully be uh, invigorated about. It's just tough. And you've got to understand that when you go forward, and especially when you get into health insurance, which has totally just been messed up by the ACA Act. Uh, you can only sell insurance to people at a certain time of the year. You have to do it with all kind of rules. You have to keep, uh, like I on my Medicare files, I've got to keep them for 11 years. And so when you explain that to young people and the fact that you don't make much commission, you do it on volume or you put a lot of different things together, because I sell a lot of different things, then it's not such a, um, it's kind of eye-opening when they go, oh, you got to do that. And then, you know, it's too bad we're, we're missing a lot of good people because they, they don't totally understand. And maybe that's also because of communication uh, with people not explaining to them the lay of the land. It does take uh, a certain mentality, I think, to be able to thrive in that type of atmosphere that, you're not guaranteed a check. You're not getting paid just to show up. And, you know, if regardless of your production that week, you're going to get the same amount. I mean, that's, there are jobs where you can, you can operate that way, but the, the industry that you chose, that's not the way at all. Well, let's look at it too. Like, you know, our con, or let's say like Blake, 
uh, in our, our group that's a real estate person. Yeah, Blake Hunter, which who, who by the way, is, is, has his own podcast coming very soon. So we, right. uh, we want to encourage people to listen <laughs> right. to that. And and he's a very good man. And what happens is Blake uh, did some other things in his life in the last three years, decided to be in real estate. And he's a, a very good young uh, real estate person. But now he's heading into the waters very similar to 2008, which as a, a insurance guy, I remember how uh, contractors struggled and how real estate guys struggled and things of that nature. So you really have to set yourself up to not just maybe think one way and work one way. And I've never tried to let one client or one group of clients determine if I'm going to be successful or not. I try to spread it out and try to work hard doing different things. And and I, I think I see that Blake is very open-minded, and he is trying for different avenues to be a professional and try to, to earn stuff. So I think he would be successful in whatever he wanted to do because he has been in the past but in a different manner. But now, you know, he's it's, it's on his own, and uh, he's got to do uh, certain things to make money because it isn't handed to him, especially now. We call this podcast Success in Iowa. When you think about the word success and the things that you have been able to accomplish in your career, what does that mean to you? How do you define success? Well, it's, I, I think, I suppose some people, you know, would look at it uh, and say that they would judge by a person, um, maybe where they live, what they drive, things of that nature. And I don't necessarily look at it that way. And, of course, maybe with my, you know, years of experience, you, you can tell uh, when somebody's successful. First of all, um, and the big thing is what the community thinks of that person. If they have a very high opinion, and, and no matter how high opinion people have of you, it doesn't mean you're going to get all the business because they have different things and different ways to do that. But being successful, uh, knowing that you've never heard something counterproductive about that person, uh, that person, the person isn't afraid to help, isn't afraid to volunteer, you can tell uh, successful people based on a lot of different things, their family, uh, who their friends are. And so that, that really makes a difference when you view somebody or maybe you're trying to analyze if you want to try to do some business with them or be a friend of theirs. You have to look at a lot of different things sometimes and, you know, not to be overly critical. And sometimes, you know, myself being in the business fields for so many years, it, it can be easy for me. So I have to rethink, you know, not fire so quick on somebody because I was where they were at. And so, you know, I've got scars and they're going to get some of theirs and, and sometimes you don't realize what you did till it was too late, but you can rectify it and go from there. And so I just look at things that way. And we've got a lot of good people in this town, a lot of good young people, and uh, they're showing maturity, and they're, they're taking, I think, the right path. It just depends on if people will give them the benefit of the doubt sometimes. I had an opportunity... Uh, a couple of years ago to sit down and have a conversation and interview two young men who were uh, students at the University of Nebraska in Omaha, and they had decided 
two years ago, they went on a tour. Right when COVID started, they had nothing to do. So they went around and decided to visit every single incorporated town in Nebraska. And they made a, a, ended up writing a book about it. So the following year, they decided to repeat the process and they did it in Iowa and visited every single incorporated town, all 936. I think it was <laughs> these young men had to really plan out their day. And by the end of it, they had a following on Facebook in the tens of thousands and people were contacting them saying, Hey, when you come to our town, visit this. Uh, when you come here, please stay at our bed and breakfast. All of these different things were going on. And these were young men of 20 and 21. And I remember telling them that uh, people of my generation are a little bit too quick to judge. And we aren't looking hard enough when we say that uh, this generation, the new generation that's coming up doesn't want to work or they don't want to put things in. No, they're out there. I think that we just like to pay more attention to the negative. And I think it speaks to what you were just saying. We've got some great young people in the community of Council Bluffs and the surrounding areas here that are really getting after it and have some great ideas. And I think it's to be congratulated for them to do that. Well, just think about what you just said, though. That you're you you were you know to some extent pretty quick fire to judgment. Well, that's your generation, and you know my generation. We never kept our powder dry, and we're, <laughs> we're a lot further off firing away than than you are. And yeah, I'm I'm what they call a Gen Xer. You're right, so. and I sometimes wonder what that means. But anyway, um, what I've done is. Uh, I'm old enough and had my powder go off several times that I now um, am thinking, well, like maybe there is another way to do it. Maybe it's best that we give them their chance and maybe thinking about or doing something a different way might not hurt just as long as they understand if they get burnt, they got to live with it. And because a lot of my generation is, you know, like I went to, I went, left home at 18 years old, went to college, paid my own way and all that stuff and worked as I went to college. But that doesn't mean that everybody has to do it, but you can still do it. But you kind of be preconceived in ideas and things that you want to do or a thought process on how the world is or how people want to live. And so what you have to do once in a while, and especially since I've got grandkids now that are pushing through to college and things of that nature, I hate to say it, but sometimes I actually got to watch what I say. So I back off and I say, well, let me think about it. You know, especially when my grandkids go, Grandpa, you can't say that, which, you know, that wouldn't make any difference in the business world. You can run into that deal anyway. But I think there's another circle of maturity you get when you get older and you have to think through because it's not 1972 anymore. And people make the living the same way, but maybe in a different manner. Not We don't talk about way, but manner. So you have to really take that. And I think the only way that I can keep going forward and still doing some work is I have to adapt and understand all these things to be successful or you just step on yourself. And that's, that's never any good for anybody. I think that's a, a very uh, smart uh, philosophy that that you're bringing to the table. That 
there we've been doing this for a long time and we've been doing it this way for a long time but maybe there can be a different way better worse hard to say but there can be a different way of doing something and like you said let's give them an opportunity let's give them a chance to see what it is that they can accomplish and personally i I find it very refreshing to hear you talking about like that well Let's, uh, the one thing that kind of aggravated me in the business a few years back is, you know, people would go online and get quotes and all that stuff and maybe uh, have their policies issued and wouldn't really deal with an agent. Or if you talk to them, they say, well, we already did that online. Well, what happened there was a lot of people, when they did stuff online, they didn't get helped real well. And they, they got the wrong coverages or coverages were left off that they needed. Now, what I've read about and what I see is there's still, there's this uh, culture of doing stuff online as far as insurance, but a lot of the new people on the block, your 20s, actually would prefer if they had somebody they could talk to. So it's kind of taken a full circle. In other words, it's not that they don't want to do it online, but they want to talk to somebody that can help them out if they got a problem. And, you know, some online facts are not going to help them at all. And so I see some of that stuff coming around. Um, more people, like more people this year, actually went into the stores on Black Friday than had for a long time because they, they wanted to touch and feel it and buy it. Well, when you do insurance or you do um, real estate or something of that nature, you, you want to really be involved in it if you can so you don't miss a step, especially when it's your life or your money. We have mentioned many times in this studio uh, business philosophy that it's about business is about building relationships, and it sounds like a cliche or something that you hang on a wall, but it, it's true, and it also we've talked about that these relationships can't be fake. If you're doing it just for lip service and you don't follow through with what you're talking about, then people are going to sniff you out pretty fast and that's going to be the end of that client. But if you do build a relationship with someone, then they know they can trust you. And that that has to be huge in the insurance industry. Well, actually, too, and I talk about it some to some people, but um, a lot of my time has been spent over the years and and just depends upon, you know, what's going on, is I'll have a lot of people call me and they'll go, Rick, uh, this person told me to call you because you might know an answer that I need or somebody that can help me. And those phone calls are not, those are personal relationship phone calls, but it is not going to get me a policy or whatever. I say, well, you need to call so-and-so, and and that guy's really good at what he does, and if you've got that kind of problem, you need to see him because he'll take care of you. And I've never heard a problem with him, and he knows what he's doing. So So sometimes it's best to actually pass business on. Well, I've done that a lot of times because people say, well, uh, Rick might know what to do or who to call, you know, like another agent. Sure. Or one of my clients, and so... No, and everything I do is, is no way, all my referrals are not always business. When was the last time that something happened uh, with insurance, such as a claim, that you said to yourself, well, that's a first, I haven't seen that before? 
How long has it been? Well, it depends on what you look at. You have stuff that um, you always have the the person that, you know, just tries to, on occasion, place a claim because they want to place a claim. and Or uh, people have a perception is that they know insurance, and they don't. They just know it has to be a claim. And But what I had in particularly was, it was actually, a, and I had talked about this before to some extent, a lady called me, and she wasn't my client, but she wanted to be because her current agent was retiring. And when that storm came through June 7th, um, her townhouse had been hit with damage, but she hadn't placed a claim yet. And uh, so she wanted to come over to be a client of mine. Her renewals were coming out, and that's how we were going to do it. Well, uh, she went ahead and put in the claim, and I got a call from an adjuster that said, Listen, Rick, I know you're not their, her agent, but you're going to be. Here's the problem we got is that she has wrong coverage, and her storm damage isn't covered. And I says, Okay. So I went in there, and I kind of had saw some things as they were coming through our downloads from the insurance company. And this person had uh, been wrote as a, a condo, not as a townhouse. So the condo coverage was from drywall in, and the townhouse is just like a regular homeowners with the outside and the roof coverage and all that. And so I told the lady that, and, you know, the adjuster did. And there were some issues uh, with what went on prior to involving us. And anyway, I got together with our um, the claims adjuster. I got together with our local rep of this company. And I got together with the client and some other people. And it took us 90 days. But I got it reversed, and she now has a claim, and she's getting all her damage fixed. And on occasion, you see somebody that either doesn't have the proper coverage or... It's wrote wrong. And so I just, I try to write things right, and I, I don't think this general, this other agent meant anything. He just slipped. And, uh, but I was able to take care of it and, you know, take all the shots I needed to because sometimes you you take the good with the bad, but it worked out, and the lady now is is happy and a, a good client, and I've known her for a lot of years and, and being made whole again but it took 90 days of hard work, and there's many times I didn't think it was going to happen. Well, what I'm taking from this story is that this was someone who was becoming a client, but when all of this happened, she wasn't. No. And you still went to bat for her, even though it wasn't on you. This wasn't this wasn't something that uh, was something that was created in a policy that you wrote. No. This was previous to that, but yet you still came... That's that's inspiring. Well, it you know ended up being about a twenty thousand dollar deal, which meant a lot to her. And I've, I've done a lot of those things, and not necessarily of somebody I wrote. I, I explained to them, you know, this is how I would approach this if I was you, and if you want to put them in a corner, this is how you might do it to help you, and this person might be able to help you. That's where I say I dis- disseminate maybe some other knowledge for people to get out of their own particular predicament. And a lot of it's just because I, I've had the experience of it. Before we run out of time, Rick, I wanted to uh, 
you and I are both a member of the same referral group. We yes, belong sir. to a right. referral group called the uh, Council Bluffs Business Connection, and everyone in that group has been invited to come and appear on the podcast, and uh, we've already got that process started. What does it mean to not only be a part of that group, but also to just be a part of a referral group? Because if you think about it, you've been a member for a while. You've been through every, all the members that are there, so... What is what is the benefit and and what do you where's the value at for you to be a, a member of not just any referral group but the one that we're both a part of where where does that value come in for you? Well, it comes in from the fact that uh, in some of my uh, companies that I do insurance work for uh, and I, I try to beg on the issue with them about where do they see their people doing marketing and. Most of the, the people that are doing marketing are doing it based upon um, the Rotary Group or the Optimist or being a member of a, the teacher's or the parent group at school or a referral group or the Chamber of Commerce. And it's almost when you have a referral group like we do, we have personal relationships with those people. And so sometimes you get business that you don't even know as a result of your group because somebody might have told somebody, and they go, "Oh, well, I better better call, you know, Todd, and put in a, you know, do a, some work on the podcast." And sometimes you don't know where the business comes from, but you know when you have a real strong group and good people. Uh, and sometimes they can't do business with you because they have their own personal relationships. But you got to understand that. And I've been in referral groups now for over twenty years. And what I'm finding out from some of my marketers is that is still the best way. And it's becoming more important because of everything that's being disseminated and isn't working out the way it should. And, you know, with uh, all the fights with Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. So referrals and uh, personal relationships where you can have a first name basis. I think the relationship part that you're mentioning to me is just as valuable as getting a referral for some business out of that group because I mean, we bounce ideas off of each other in those meetings and, and I gain so much knowledge and understanding for, about things that are completely apart from getting a slip of paper that says, hey, this person's going to call you because they're interested in doing a podcast or any of the other services that we provide here. I look forward to Thursday mornings when we go there because I can get my mind into it. And my day, my Thursdays, by far the best day of the week. But we're all, we're out of that meeting at nine o'clock. But the rest of my day just is stellar every week. And I, it's because of where that foundation is and where it starts coming out of that room. Well, they're all friends, and my Thursdays are. Uh, I start off with that meeting, and then I go to a half an hour sales meeting, and then I have Rotary at noon. So my Thursdays are kind of my stack days on, on that kind of stuff. And here again, I've been in sales for about 50 years, but I'm still doing that stuff. And you, you never fail to see the importance of that. And a lot of people, uh, let's say, for example, like Blake, he's got to have referrals and people that uh, will work with him. I'm really enjoying this part because we have people uh, that are near the beginning of their career, and you are just very, very seasoned. Have you gotten to the point now where you have an exit strategy? Are you thinking about uh, your career coming to a close and uh, hitting retirement, or where where are you at with that? Well, there's a couple things. Uh, I, I look at it. If, if I cannot put together 
and insurance. You know, like, for example, I got a guy come to me, and he's got uh, 30 rental houses. Well, I've got to be able to see how I can package that and, and do the best deal for him. Or on a farm, put together a farm, or I have, I've had some other commercial deals. And when I can't put those together in my thought process, then I'm done. And Or if my wife tells me to see Cutler O'Neill, then I know i got a problem. <laughs> but as far as I can still be useful, I, I like you, what I do. Your intention is just to stay with it. Right. I think I, I like that idea. And I think that we sometimes can get too caught up in the, okay, I'm going to retire because that's the meaning of success. Well, my wife has said to me many times, what would you do if if you're home? And I'd say, leave. I mean, you know, I've been so used to, I I leave the house at a quarter to seven every morning. I've done that for 50 years. And, you know, maybe once someplace and had a cup of coffee, do the same thing now and and go from there at around eight o'clock and, that's just what my body does. It tells me what time to get up and anywhere between, you know, 3.30 and 4.30 and have a cup of coffee and then relax and then out the door. Well, he is Rick Well with Smith Davis Insurance. And, and Rick, thank you so much for coming in and sharing just a little tiny snapshot of uh, what it is that you do. And I'm going to, after we get done here, I'm going to have you write down a question for the next guest. Okay. And we're going to... Uh, kind of keep things moving along. And we're not even sure who that guest is, but we want to be able to garner some of your wisdom. And we can actually do that through questions as opposed to answers, because I think that that can really get the thought process going. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you. And and we wish you continued success. And I hope that uh, you uh, stay in the industry and, and keep going for a long, long time. Well, I look forward to it. And we thank you for listening to this episode of Success in Iowa. New episodes are released every week. So until the next one, take care.